Blog Talk Radio. Actually, uh, I had some. I dabbled with the show uh, in the early 2000s uh, on a cable access network in Rhode Island, um, where I was living at the time. And uh, Janet was uh, had her character uh, separately uh, and created her in 2010, I believe, right? Yes, I created the character uh, Janet Decay, the mummy character, in 2010, and then in 2013 uh, started hosting. But it was for someone else's show. It was a cable show in Cleveland called The Daughter of the Bull. And that's actually how uh, Grim and I met. And uh, here we are now. Yes, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> the show only ran for a year uh, You know, when I hosted it. At the time, the producer of it decided to cancel it and uh, work on wrestling videos and sports videos instead. Yes, and when I moved back to Cleveland in uh, 2012, I found out about the show. And um, the daughter of the ghoul show, that is. And I decided um, to uh, try to get involved behind the scenes with it and uh, maybe have my character, my Grim Gory, the monkey character, uh, be a part of that universe. Um, but I met Janet. The show dissolved, and we just decided to do our own thing. So here we are. Yeah. Now we're talking to you. <laughs> we got married. It's weird. The whole thing. I, just, I don't know. I'm a lucky monkey. Yeah, you started like, oh, we'll do a show together and end up falling in love and starting your own little business. Yeah, I mean, uh, I don't really know what else uh, I, 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 I'd rather do, to be honest with you. It's uh, it's uh, one of those little uh, blessings in disguise, I guess. Uh, and I always tell Janet it's the reason why I came back to Cleveland to find her. Aww. But the weird, <laughs> the weird, really weird thing is, is that we did meet. Uh, in 2009. Yeah, we met each other and didn't even really know each other. I was, at the time, I was at a show called Goulardi Fest, and Goulardi was Cleveland's first really big horror movie host, and he was on television in Cleveland from 1963 to 1966. And then later on, he moved to Hollywood to be a voiceover actor. And, uh, you know, I dressed up as Girlardi, like a girl version of Goulardi there. They had a, a Goulardi look-alike contest, and I thought it would be fun to wear the lab coat and the fright wig. Right. And I, I think I even had a fake goatee. And I, and I, and I just, I've attended just about every Goulardi fest they, they've had. They've had quite a few of them over the years, probably close to 20. And, um, and we posed for a picture together. You asked to take yeah, my picture. Yeah, well, I saw this really pretty girl and, you know, dressed like uh kind of like the, the ghoul arty character or the ghoul character. So I just said, hey, you know, take a picture with me. And uh, and I didn't realize that because Janet and I actually didn't uh, – we, we officially met technically in 2009 that one time. But uh, I didn't know her name or anything. Yeah, we didn't really know each other no. then. We just posed for a picture together. And then years later when – In 2013, we, we, we met sort of, you know, uh, on the set of Daughter of the Ghoul. Uh, I, I 
that's when we met and everything took off from there. But then I, uh, a couple of years ago, I went to, uh, into my Facebook uh, pictures, my, my, you know, my, my archives, and I was looking through old Gilardi Fest pictures, and I saw that one, and I'm like, oh, my gosh. We, we actually, you know, kind of were standing next to each other uh, four years before this, before we met. So It's creepy cool. Strange, but there you go. Meant to be. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I can't remember the first making up. What I remember is that no one was caring about the pretty girl. Most of the guys there were like that jeans jacket. They would like both the jeans jacket. <laughs> oh, I don't know about that. I think they like the pretty girl more, but that's okay. I know. Yeah, the first thing they see is like, is like, ooh, jeans jacket, the and then ooh, pretty girl. Yeah, we, we I, I have definitely, uh, you know, being behind the mask there. It's I get, and then I should say the shades. I get to see people's reactions when they can't see my eyes looking at them. But yeah, we've startled quite a few people when we walk in a room that weren't ready or prepared to see. Who, it, it didn't know who we were at the time, and yeah, when we walk into a room, it is. I know it's, it's it can be a little bit of a shock and or a weird thing to see, and that you know that wasn't even planned. It just sort of happened that way. Uh, the characters that we chose, uh, you know, the, I guess we just try to come up with different things. Your character, the Janet Kay character, had nothing to do with horror hosting. Yeah, at first, at first uh, when I created the Mummy character in 2010. It was a, a character I wanted to create for Charity Zombie Walk in Northeast Ohio. There were some towns around here cause, because zombies were so popular from The Walking Dead and all the years of zombie movies. They had a, you know, everyone's dressed up like zombies and, and you're donating cans for their local food drive and just having fun hanging out. And I thought, well, what could I do that's different that's still undead? I know, I'll make a mummy character, a mummy costume. Before then, I would go to comic cons and anime conventions, and I would cosplay as different characters like Catwoman and Cutie Honey and that type of, you know, those type of things. Yeah, and then uh, after that, she started doing, she thought she'd keep that character and do movie reviews with it, right? Yeah, and then uh, we had, at the time, I had a friend that was doing movie reviews and, and making a website, and I wrote a few reviews for them, and I was under, it was the, the pen name of Janet Decay, and, and that's what I decided to call the mummy that I uh, created, but then uh, later on, um, I ended up just not doing reviews for them anymore and moved on to other things. And you also did some acting, and that's when she, like, fast forward three years later, she gets the, uh, you know, sort of little, sort of a, a bird, little birdie told her about this uh, audition or this uh, open role for this, uh, to, to, to host yeah. the Daughter of the Ghoul. In Google. 2012, there were auditions for yeah. um, a hostess, to host the Daughter of the Ghoul show, and I, I did get the part and yeah it was uh the show was on in 2013 in uh cleveland ohio and some of the surrounding cities now, yeah and the important thing to know is the daughter of the ghoul show is the name of the show it's the umbrella name mm-hmm. it's not the name of the character who hosts the show right they they called it the daughter of the ghoul show hosted by janet decay like the tonight show hosted by jay leno because like it wasn't technically my show know. they just they wanted a female to host it and, right. and it wasn't our idea to call it daughter of the ghoul that was the the guy who was producing it. And if you should, and everyone everyone should know if they care, and maybe this will get this out of your, you know, everyone asking you all the time whether you're the daughter of the ghoul or not. The show is being resurrected. You can find it freely on Facebook. There's a da- the daughter of the ghoul page. They got a whole new host or a couple of hosts. That, that's true. The producer did bring it back, so that's so interesting. Maybe, <laughs> maybe people will leave you alone and stop asking you if you're Ron Sweet's daughter. Well, I used to get a lot of crap. <laughs> For that, because I would get people saying, "Oh, you're riding the ghoul's coattails. You're copying Ron Swede." Wasn't your show? And it really wasn't my show, but I was on social media more, so yeah. they they thought I was an easy target. Well, maybe the eye of Sora yeah, most the other way. We really don't know how many ghouls came out of that oh, wow. area. That's I true. I mean, too. there was let's see, a ghoul Artie, uh, the son of ghoul Artie, ghoul Artie, the well, you know, oh, the second, the, uh, the, the, cool, the cool ghoul. Yeah, there was ghoul. Yeah, the cool ghoul. ghoul. <laughs> it was like yeah, everybody and their mother was a horror host who came out of uh, that city was either a ghoul already wannabe or the producers wanted their own. You're right. That's true. Uh, they all drank the ghoul aid. <laughs> and uh, 
Yeah, they even wanted to, it was funny because uh, the story of Sven Gulli is uh, the, the fellow who originally played the original Sven Gulli, uh, Jerry, I think, I can't think of his last oh, name. Oh, I don't remember his name at but, the moment. But he um, worked in Cleveland and then went back to Chicago and they were like, hey, uh, oh, no, actually, this is, um, what's his name's story? Uh, the, the, the Dr. Aculard, um, the one from Indiana. Uh, no. Sammy Terry? No, no, the other one. No, no, no. What am I thinking of? I can't. Uh, think. I'm not sure. Doctor Acula. Yeah, Doctor Acula, who did the show on 43. What was his other name? Uh, Sir Graves Gasly. Sir Graves Gasly. Sir Graves Gasly was from Detroit. Yeah. That's true. So, or, or Michigan so area. That's the correct story. I'm sorry, it wasn't Sanguli. It was uh, Sir Graves Gasly. Yeah. He did work. Both of them, these guys actually worked in Cleveland and then went back. To their respected markets, and uh, I guess the uh, the producer at the station that in, in uh, Detroit wanted uh, the the guy who portrayed uh, Sir Graves Gasly to just call himself Goulardi and come up with a you know just use that shtick and they'll do their own version of it. He's like, well, why would I want to do that? He goes, that's a character. It's well, plus the station owned that character, yeah. so you couldn't really do that. That's but true, but the, the plagiarism. People were on a ghoul craze then. To this day, plagiarism people do it without thinking that they're really plagiarizing they just think oh i can use that because it's there and you really can't but technically but it doesn't even matter so that's how graves gassy came up with his character because he didn't want to just copy the ghoul stick so anyway but yeah but he but everyone just thought that's what works so let's just do that you know mm-hmm. come up with a ghoul character i don't know kind of like maybe how hollywood <laughs> makes a ton of remakes yeah <laughs> they, they just try to stick with what yeah. works rather than make something new yeah, and if you want a good movie on the whole horror host thing, uh, what is it? American Spooky is that one? Oh, oh American Scary. American Scary and the our essential horror yeah, host American film. Scary. If you can dig up a copy or find it online, please watch it. It is amazing. It's yeah. our go-to inspirational video. It, it is amazing, and that was created like a few years before we were. Uh, we were the mummy and the monkey we were, together. We were so. on the scene, yeah. And we were even we were, we were even friends with one of the guys who put the movie together, Sandy Clark. Sandy Clark, mm-hmm. and he actually tracked us down at a um, Cleveland Comic Con. Where at, what, what, was it? A, I think it was Akron Comic Con. Yeah, it was one of the Akron Comic. Yeah, it, it, it was Akron Comic Con. Was it? I think. I thought it was called Cleveland Comic. It was called oh, Cleveland Comic Con. Oh, you know what? It was at the Berea Fairgrounds. Right. He tracked us down. It was a smaller show. Because there was some interest in actually doing a. Um, at the time, and they and they, they, they trashed it, but uh, they they, want, they were kind of thinking about re-releasing the movie and having like an, an, an additional disc that would be an updated horror host, uh, you know, bits and stuff like that. And we were going to be a part of that, but kind of fell through. But it was fun meeting them. The guy is great, mm-hmm. and uh, had yeah. some great stories. Oh, we yeah, we in a really good human being, and uh, pleasure to have met him. But that movie is awesome. If you haven't seen it out there, and you're a horror host fan. From anywhere in the nation, you don't have to. It's not about Cleveland horror hosts. It, it does touch on that mm-hmm. quite a bit, actually. But there's a lot more horror hosts. Elvira, Vampira, they talk about all of them. Yeah, Myla Nurmi was interviewed on there, yeah. and she passed away in 2008. So I, it might have been right, you know, it might have been before her, right before her passing. And she portrayed Vampira. She was first. she was Vampira, the, the first female horror host. And maybe one of the first, her, her and Zachary out of New York. So. And I was featured in a book, and and the book's hard mm. to find now. It might still be on Amazon, but it's called Vampira and Her Daughters. Mm-hmm. And uh, I got a little mention in there as uh, Cleveland's first female. Uh-huh. Host. Yeah. Without naming any names, I can think of one horror hostess who probably wasn't in the Vampira book, but let's not get into that. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know who that. You know, you must know something we don't. Sounds interesting. What can we talk about now? (laughs) Who can we talk about? Well, without naming any names, there was this uh, uh, horror hostess who was big and popular in the eighties. Who the producer and her stole completely ripped off uh, every little bit of Vampire's uh, gimmick. Oh. oh, okay. And there oh, were lawsuits involved. Mm. Oh, yeah, yeah. That, yeah. That, okay, that, we that we true. know of that story. But she, but she kind of, kind of broke off and did her own thing, which was mm-hmm. worked out pretty good for her, ultimately. Yeah, I mean, a little yeah, black dress. A lot of people wear was, that, but uh, she made it her own character. Yeah, it was I like think. everyone was like, uh, 
moments in the movie where it shows uh, Vampira just walking towards the studio to do that and instead of this glamorous star it shows her riding a bus yeah that was the reality actually we that's actually our reality too what time's the uh the bus to the grocery store come tomorrow morning <laughs> we got to go to the grocery store yeah I mean yeah yeah people might you know, if, if you're on TV or have an online show, whatever the platform is, yeah, people might think, oh, you have this glamorous, you know, this exciting, no. you know, thing that you do. But, there's you no, know. Yeah, there's no Brinks truck in our parking lot. No. Nope. <laughs> Meanwhile, we're driving like, you in know. Our driveway, yeah. yeah we, old clunky cars and. Yeah, well, you know, you do what you got to do. But, you know. Yeah, it, even I get that thing. He's like, how much money do you make off this pod, your podcast? I'm like. What is this money thing that you're talking about? Yes, I don't know what you speak of. Yes, I know. We we we, we start okay. So yeah, I've I've had friends of ours. You know, so I've had some friends that ask me like, why am I doing this? What's the end game? Um, because if you're putting all this time into it, you should get something out of it. And I agree with them um, to some extent, but we I I looked at it this way. You know, we're kind of. Um, coming into the scene because you can now you don't need to be uh, involved with a studio necessarily it's just like musicians and any other sort of art form out there you, you can actually do your own thing put it out there there's lots of platforms mm-hmm. to use um so why not horror hosting is a very uh, specific genre and uh and it's small it's niche you know compared to other things but it but it has its its fans and um I just like that yeah I think that's what I like about it because the 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 sea isn't that the you know the box the pool isn't that big um in in that you know so when you do this you can be fun with it be creative and it gets a lot of our creative outlets out too it's like I was just about to say it's a creative outlet for us and then on top of that you know we are uh you know trying to build up the the brand yeah. as as the the young hipsters would say. Well, yeah, and, and that's just that, like any any company. I mean, we we feel we have a brand. We're resellers by day. We're horror hosts by night, okay. and we uh, make YouTube videos about all of it. And then we host the live show on Friday nights on our Facebook page, The Mummy and the Monkeys Harry Scary Hangout. Yeah. So we we try to just uh, video everything and and um, have it out there, you know. Yeah, and you're starting to get lucky enough to get some of the 70s stuff is starting to go into, to slip into the public domain. We're, yes, it is, because so much time has elapsed, and some of the films are just that bad that nobody wants to claim them. Um, yeah, we're, 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 we're digging. We're actually, we, we're, we've gone past uh, at the bottom of the barrel. Now we've lifted the barrel up, and we're uh, digging underneath what was underneath there to find it. <laughs> All the but, good uh, movies is just some people just like, uh, don't want to bother with the music rights or whatever. Well, or the people that have the rights don't want to claim it. Well, yeah, the mu- music rights are definitely different than uh, the film rights because Music can stay a lot longer in in out of public domain than than the, the movies do. So that's a bit tricky there, and we don't know sometimes because some movies are legitimately in the public domain. But like you said, but then yeah, a the studio music, could own the music or a musician whoever yeah. published the music. Yes, mm-hmm. and that's a different set of or their estates or whoever yes, has and, control of that at that point. And we're not we're we're all about you know uh, doing the right thing. We don't want to you know you, yeah we, we, don't, we don't want to infringe yeah. on anyone's. We, tr- income, yeah. we try to play by the rules, swap out music when and necessary. I was joking, and most people find out I'm right. I'm like, when it comes to movies, there's like three levels of hell. One, studio neglect hell, which is the hell of the studio really just don't give a damn about the movie. So you get good movies that have studio, like Warner Brothers or Paramount have great masters of them, like uh, Glenn or Glenda. But the studio really don't give a damn about getting their good prints out there. 
Right. Yeah, some of those older movies, like if um, there's there's yeah, the people the like us in White Coast. And the second is Music Right Tale, which we just heard first. And the weirdest one is uh, Canadian Tax Shelter Right Tale. And that's where they would just have, be able to get as many people as they could to invest in a movie or a show because the people that invest could just write off any money that's tax write-offs, and they really could give a darn if you made any money off of it. Mm. Oh, but okay. if you wanted to put it out on tape or DVD or any source, you had to find every person that invested in it and get them the sign off. Wow, that makes wow, that's crazy. That'd man. be a lot of paperwork. Ooh. Yeah, like uh, David Cronenberg's first two films. He said for Rabbit, he had to find like forty or fifty people. Wow to sign off on it, just so he could get the rights to even tinker with the masters. Wow, yeah. That's the technical side of things that a lot of people want to – I find that with almost anything, whether you want to invent something or you want to do something like like host a movie, it all sounds innocent and and easy, and you can just do whatever you want, but when you get into actually, uh, you know – Showing it on a platform like Facebook or YouTube, uh, get ready for, you know, to get hit with uh, rights, possible rights infringements and copyrights because um, that's just the way, that, that's the, the reality of it. That's the only good thing about being involved with something like a television station, if you're doing any kind of entertainment like that, or movie studio, is they have a department that take care of all that. They would cover that. You don't have to worry about any of that usually. You just have to host or do whatever, you know, or uh, the radio show or the TV show or whatever it is, um, and not ever worry about any of those things because it's all cleared, you know, um, all already done. Uh, but uh, that's the only thing. But I think you learn doing doing it the way horror hosts are doing it now online. But, you know, but it's, but it's a gamble a little bit still, even with the public domain stuff. So who knows? I mean, we're, we're trying our best to stay clear of anything, any, any of the legal issues. But uh, so far, so good. Yeah, you know, we're just trying yeah. to do our Your our generation teachers. are lucky to have the lesson of MST3K1000 on how not to do the right thing. Right. Yeah. I think there's almost like whole sea, well, the very season zero, and there's like whole sea chunks of the, the early season that never were legitimately released. Thank God for wow. the fan scene. Yeah, the fans uh, have you know taped them all on, off of television or whatever, and um, they distribute them. They still trade the tapes and DVDs and stuff like that, but yeah. There are some they'll never get the rights for, like the Toho stuff, Gamera stuff. They'll just never, you know, get the get to be able to distribute those movies because of the the red tape and the money it would cost. But um, yeah, I mean, we, you know, we're we're trying to figure out another other things. We sometimes we don't even show movies. We'll do shorts sometimes. Yeah, we'll like we'll find little, weird uh, old educational films from the 1950s, 60s, 70s. And uh, we'll, we'll do, like, sometimes we'll have a shorts night where we just play these weird old, you know, educational shorts. And another uh, avenue we, we've discovered, and not discovered because other ho- hosts do this, but uh, we uh, find independent filmmakers and uh, get their permission to screen their films. Yes. On, uh, you know, even sometimes on a limited basis where we take it down after, uh, you know, an agreed upon time. Yeah, based on, you know, yeah. what they prefer. But, yeah, we're talking with some indie filmmakers mm-hmm. right now, and we're mm-hmm. hoping uh, – we can play some in the near future. Yes, and that's exciting too because it's stuff that a lot of people haven't seen. They haven't seen on other horror show, horror hosted shows, but there, there's a little bit of, ex, of exclusive exclusivity there. They're not seeing the same thing over and over again. Which you know that's that, that's another big part of doing the horror a challenge doing independent horror hosting is finding stuff that hasn't been shown, uh, you know, to death, but you know that's public domain. Yeah, that was the good thing and the bad thing about the shot packages and things like that is that they end up getting shown everywhere if they're cheap. <laughs> right, well, and that's, mm-hmm. 
But, you know, so the challenge really is, I think it's upon each, ho- each host, movie host, what can you do to make that film digestible as possible? How do you make it more entertaining or more right. interesting, even though it's like the same old cruddy movies? Now, the Goulardi and the Ghoul, they came up with adding uh, sound effects, and we borrowed that idea from them. Uh, you know, apologetically we do, uh, but it, it, it's an homage. We, we like to look at, think of our show, we're not ripping people off, it's an homage. Well, it's some, nice something old, something new, something borrowed, something boo. Yeah. We uh, mix the new with the old. You know, we, we, we borrow, we, we, have, we pay homage to the, the horror hosts of the past, and we uh, put our own style to it. And the, uh, the masters to yeah. me are uh, the Mystic Science Theater, uh, th- that whole shtick with uh, making fun of the whole movie. And then in between the breaks, there's, you even get to see them, so... Um, they, they, they've mastered that. And I don't know where you go from there. We're, we're always trying to think what you can do uh, that might be a little or more original or something you can sort of uh, claim to have invented uh, to host a horror movie. So far, butt kiss, but, so we're, but we're, we're always thinking about ways to, to, to make the whole experience of watching the Harry Scary Hangout entertaining and uh, a, a, what do you call it, like a gel piece of, you know, of work instead of, you know, again, just coming in every 10 minutes or 15 minutes uh, showing movie clips and then doing our thing. Sometimes I want to know what the hosts are up to uh, in between, like when the movie is, is going on. I mean, you're just kind of leaving us hanging here. We've seen this movie a million times. Yeah. Yeah, it's like uh, it's like when you go see a band live and they cover a song. It's like, oh, cool, so and so's covering the song. Let's see what they what their spin is on it. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, that's a real good analogy. I like yeah. that. Yeah. So yeah, what, what do you do? What can you do with this uh, thing that's been shown uh, a thousand times over um, to number one, make it more entertaining, and two. Make it a, a like a congealed part of the show. If that makes any, you know, if that's the right term. Like so, it's all blended together. So it's a nice one piece instead of, again, random, you know, movie that you've seen a hundred times uh, shown, and you're just waiting for the the horror host to come back. It's nice if they're just if you could figure out a way to be involved throughout the whole movie. I mean, the whole program, I should say. Yeah. That's what we're trying to do more on our show yeah. more than, you know, the usual. And the catch twenty two is is that if you're good at it, you make it look easy, and then you get Both a bunch of guys that come on online and try to do the same thing, and they find out that it's not the <laughs> well nothing nothing rewarding ever is right I mean, how do you feel about that Janet Decay? oh well, I mean, I we've, been, we've been hosting for so long it's it's just you know we're just so used. To it, but yeah, I mean, if someone were new and starting out, it might be tough at first. I, yeah, I mean, I mean, it was tough for us yeah, to like I, try, and we're still learning as we go. Yeah, I, I encourage know? I encourage anyone to follow their dreams and do what they want to do. Uh, mm-hmm. a, a fellow horror host, Count Gore Duvall, who is technically the internet's first online horror host, um, has a great line that we always like to pass on to everybody getting into horror hosting: is that what's the thing? There's plenty of room in the coffin for everyone. That's right. So uh, yeah. you know, get on your, 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 your top hats and your vampire fangs and uh, get in front of a camera and, and do your thing, man. I, that, that's great. Uh, and maybe you'll... Well, even if you're not into that, I mean, you could review. There's people on YouTube who review movies. Yeah. They get thousands of views. Yeah, I mean... There's, there's... podcasters. Yeah. I mean, whatever creative thing you want to do, I mean, and pursue if, it. And, and if you're saying that we make it look easy, well, thank you for the compliment. <laughs> uh, but yeah, and we definitely enjoy doing it, and we're always learning. When um, we definitely have fun doing it. I mean, putting together together the skits is the most fun for me. I like doing that. You know, writing stuff, writing skits, and and, and putting putting them together. And yeah. Editing, editing video. All that kind of stuff's a lot of fun for me. Yeah, because even though the show is live, and when we're talking to the audience, we're live in front of the, the webcam. Um, the skits that we play are recorded and edited. Yeah, and we do have pre-recorded. But and that's another thing that makes our show a little more unique in the horror host community, if I must, if I may say, is that we do a live streaming horror hosted show. On Friday nights at 10 p.m. It's live in real time. Yes. It's, it's not um, – the show isn't pre-recorded. Real time. 
Yeah, it's in real right. time. So we're sitting there for about two hours <laughs> talking, to, you know, chatting with the audience. Um, there are other places that do chat rooms and things like that. I understand it. But all the content is pre-recorded, which is fine, you know, and that's, Everyone's you know, that's one got way to do it. style, but this is how we do it. So we go, we go yeah. live, seat of our pants, whatever, <laughs> if, if I'm wearing pants that night. Because when Goulardi, when Zach Early, when uh, Vampira, when they were on television, it was live. That's true, too. But we get the difference is we can yeah. chat at the audience. And uh, guys, don't this is to everyone out there, so whatever. Don't be afraid to add your local flavor to it, like right. uh, you guys and Stasha. Right. <laughs> uh, we, yeah, Stasha is a character that Janet created based on a uh, another long running character on a very long running show, uh, the Big Chuck and Little John show. Also formerly the Hulahan and Big Chuck show here in Cleveland, yeah. lasted for, gosh, uh, close, over 40 years they were on TV. Mm-hmm. And uh, they had a, a character named uh, Stanley, uh, or sometimes they called him Stash. Stash or Stanley. And he, he originally was Stash, and they changed But anyway. So Big, Big Chuck is Polish, and um, instead of saying um, the other, Polish, the, they would say the certain ethnic, and he was the certain ethnic character. Because they did get a lot of flack from the Polish community, even if even though Chuck was Polish, uh, and they would do like Polish joke type of skits and things like that with his character, uh, like moving a dresser and it's too heavy, so he takes the drawers out and puts them on top of the dresser and it's still heavy to move, um, things, <laughs> things like that. Um, but, yeah, they changed it all, you know, the Polish this or the Polish that, and they changed it to certain ethnic, which is a great term. He coined that term. Yeah, so instead of us saying certain ethnic, we say, you know, she's Sasha from the old country. Yeah, she's the old ways, yeah. There was that old term, like, oh, they're from the old country. Right, so we, we came up with that, <laughs> that line. And um, she, yeah, so, and that's based on... Um, and I'm part Polish, and I'm also part Middle Eastern. And to connect it to what, uh, what he was saying about the, he was saying about the, uh, the local flavor, uh, Chuck Shadowski grew up in a, a suburb in Cleveland called Parma, which was, had a lot of Polish residents. To this day, there's a Polish village there. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's restaurants and shops and things like that. So it still maintains some of that. Uh, it still has like ethnic, a Polish and like Eastern European kind of vibe. Ethnicity to it. Yeah. So there's all that. Um, and, yeah, so that was the big thing, the, the Parma connection in Cleveland uh, where, you know, and that was always talked about on the shows, the show and the Hulahan and Big Chuck, Big Chuck and Little John show after that. Um, and, yeah, so we, that's our homage to that. Um, mm-hmm. And we make Cleveland a character in the show. Uh, as far as it being where we're from, and you know, we always we always mention things going on in Cleveland and yeah. things like and that. Yeah, anyone can watch us from any city, and that's sure. great. From um, Cle- so we say we say from Cleveland to the world. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Well, as you can tell, I'm from uh, Tennessee, Knoxville to be exact, and our, we didn't have a war host here. We had the Unknown Zone, which is basically uh, mm. it was basically the shock package too, which is a little bit of uh, the IP package and the uh, let's see the Amicus package. So we never know. Mm-hmm. Well, we knew what films we were going to get, but it was just like a weird little mix. Oh. How long was it on? And it had a host? What was the host's name? Uh, there wasn't no host. It was just like a creepy voice that would come in and says, welcome, like a chiller's intro. Right. Right. I got you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, cool. Is there anything on on uh, YouTube that can be looked at? Can you find anything on the interweb at all? No, I wish there was because I talk about it all the time. You know, it's one of those things you talk about it. Yeah, and that's another thing that breaks my heart. I mean, uh, before he died, Chili Billy, the guy out of Pittsburgh, tried to look up, and I think in the end before he died, I think he was only able to find about five episodes. Wow. Yeah, we we suffer from that same uh, syndrome here especially with the Goulardi shows. He was on for three years, but there's only like 18 minutes to a half an hour of footage that survives. But matter, but interestingly enough, someone just uh, found some color footage of Goulardi on set. You know, no sound. It's eight millimeter footage someone took behind the scenes. But man, that and they just uploaded it to the Goulardi fan page uh, club. 
And if anyone out there is listening and want to look this stuff up, Goulardi is spelled G-H-O-U-L-A-R-D-I. So check out Goulardi and find them on, you know, find the Facebook page, the fan page, and or just anything on the Internet. There's stuff on YouTube. Yeah, um, they didn't, they didn't uh, think to archive uh, videos like people do nowadays. They reuse some with, of that with, videotape. Yeah, with wow. the older television hosts yeah. and shows and things like that. It's a shame, yeah. Did you ever get to go to Monster Bash before uh, uh, Tilly Billy passed along? No, we never got to meet him or no. Zachary. That would have been you – know, those are two, some of oh. our biggest uh, regrets is not being able to meet some of these uh, legends. You or Vampire. Yeah, my, first, yeah. my first year, do you remember that uh, Bugs Bunny uh, cartoon where he's like walking down the aisle and it was like, Leopold, Leopold is here. Leopold is here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's what it was like. It was my first year there, and all of a sudden, Kelly Billy's here. He's here. He's here. Oh, my God, he's wow. here. I'm like, who? And they look and they're like, <laughs> Kelly Billy, don't you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're, you're, a true, you're a true fan. I mean, that's, that's, that's the best uh, when you get to – and then you got – so I assume you got to meet the fella – and uh, that see that's great. I mean that's yeah, that's, that's really a, cool. That's why he does. That's why he did what he did. I mean, he got a paycheck too. I'm sure, but uh, but I, it's, I, I've seen Chili Billy's actually on uh, American Scary, and they talked about him quite a bit yeah. there. Mm-hmm. And um, it was dedicated to him, I believe. The, oh, I yeah. don't recall. I might be wrong. For some reason, I'm thinking that they dedicated. He was one of the first him. guys whose gimmick was that he didn't have a gimmick. Right, he was a guy in a suit. He just would come out. Well, it was him, and it was uh, the dude from uh, Creature Features. Creature Features, the original host of Creature Features, um, Bob Wilkinson. John yeah, Stanley. he was just. Uh, oh yeah, Bob yeah. Wilkinson. Yeah. About the same type of stick, where they would just be regular guys but, that hosted more horror movies. Yeah, yeah, he had a he had a pipe, I think, or a cigar. Yeah, he had a pipe. A rocking chair. Yeah. Cigar, yeah. Or suit, or like a jacket of some sort. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The funniest time was seeing footage of a Chili Billy when he had the afro. No, it's poopy hair. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, I wish I could see. I've seen <laughs> some of those programs. They're just right next door to us, Pittsburgh. So, but it's never. Uh, yeah, we never got his show out here. No, uh, that, that was back in the days. Where there, there were just three channels and two, you know, uh, UH VHF channels and two UHF channels. So, um, yeah, we just got. Well, got unless you, got you had tinfoil, and then you might get a UHF. You might get one of the more obscure UHF channels. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. I went to school in Pittsburgh uh, in the '80s. I went to an art school out that way. And uh, a, a guy I went to school with lived in Newcastle, Pennsylvania, and he said that he could see uh, he could see a, a, another host that we had here in Cleveland. Superhost was a fella that uh, was on the air for about twenty years, from the late sixties into the early nineties. He hosted like a Saturday matinee show. Yeah, he was on for four yeah. hours. It was more like kid friendly. From noon to four, he showed two monster movies. Oh, I'm sorry, did he hang up? No, this phone's okay. still on. Yeah, we're uh, no, showed two. He showed well, what did she say? I said Drew Hello? Yeah. Oh, are we okay? I didn't know what happened. I thought maybe uh oh, but he he would show like uh, an hour of three Stooges shorts and then two back to back monster movies. But he said uh, my buddy uh, Scott said he could pick some of that up uh as, as he was growing up in in, in uh, Newcastle, Pennsylvania. So some of that stuff did bleed over if you got the tinfoil out, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so I was going to talk about a forgotten one, and he wasn't even talking about an American Scary that much, as that was uh, the one that USA Channel had. You Did you guys ever get to see him? Commander USA? Commander USA? Yeah, Commander USA. I've never seen this show, but a lot of people have, and they loved it. And I, I, I remember flipping through the channels as a little uh, young mummy, and uh, – Seeing him a little bit on there, but I mean, I might have been like five. So our friend, uh, we have a friend who archives, who's a, an avid uh, horror host fan. He goes out and he tries to, uh, you know, document and, and, and catalog as much stuff as he can about horror hosts. 
Uh, his name is Matthew Brashfield. He's really active in the community. He uh, That's his favorite show, the Commander USA show. Wow. That's his favorite horror host. Yeah, I, I he caught, would come like, on Saturday afternoon. USA Channel was a great place as a kid. Let's see. Saturday afternoon was uh, Commander USA. 8 o'clock to 11 was uh, Saturday Friday. Mm-hmm. And then from basically 11 to dawn was Night Flight. Yeah, cool. I remember that show. I know Saturday morning. I think they even did Saturday morning cartoons on USA. Yeah, they would they would play like cartoon reruns. Because I remember watching them and the holograms on the USA Network. You know, they would get the they had like the syndicated stuff that was out of syndication, like a Jim and the holograms, the GI Joe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I remember all that. So. Um, but yeah, Big Chuck and Little John here was big. Sometimes if we had the right cable channel at the time, I would catch Elvira a little bit because she was she was syndicated here too for a while. For a little yeah. bit, yeah. I taped one or yeah. two of the shows. I think Elvira was uh, the first one that was like ninety nine point nine percent syndicated. Yes, she had a big, uh, a huge deal back in the in the eighties. Yeah, she was all over the place. Yeah, it was like, yeah, it's the one where us young boys and our fathers bonded watching the show. <laughs> it was, yes, uh, quite an education you'd get from her. And, 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 you know, but the thing about her, she was not only easy on the eyes, but very funny. I really like Elvira's humor. I it was think. that sense of humor that was great. And that was all her. I don't think, you know, she's just like that bubbly in real life, seems like. Yeah, and that uh, that fast with and witty, so it wasn't like a, a rehearsal. Like act. a friendly, funny guy. <laughs> yeah, she, yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah, we had it when we were kids. Uh, well, I'm fifty, so I'm an old man. So yeah, I caught the very end of the horror host era back when. Uh, they before the paid commercials where they would just grab anything they could to throw on late night Saturdays and Friday night. Yep. Yeah, I mean programming was that sort of uh, just sort of gung ho. I mean they would just literally. Yeah, it, it, there was so. I mean t- TV back then in the seventies and eighties was was a lot of fun because you never knew what you were going to see. Hey, I even caught some nudity on on late night TV, uh, like network television. They would show us. I I don't I. Don't know if they did it on purpose, but every now and again, you, if you if you watch some like you know spy type movie or thing like that, or whatever they were showing, some of the nudity would would be left in there after 11 p.m. I don't know why, other than maybe it was sort of a safe harbor thing. Um, everything else was pretty cleaned up, but then once in a while something would be shown, and you're like, whoa, on network television, not cable. Yeah, late at night. I mean, before the whole, uh, I don't know. It just seemed, yeah, they were more lenient and, with with certain things on TV. Yeah, so, um, yeah, and then when all these horror host shows were, were such a big thing in the 70s, especially the 70s, I mean, that's when it was really, like, uh, full tilt. And uh, and they kind of dissipated by the early and to mid-80s, and, uh, you know, everything just kind of changed. But it, I think it's, it seems like horror hosting is making a comeback. Some people are, have the idea that I've heard them say, oh, man, you guys are part of a dying breed. I'm like, I don't know about that. Uh a lot of if you if you search horror hosts on YouTube, you're going to find a ton. Oh, there's a million of us. Of current ones, <laughs> old and current ones, you know. Yeah, there's there's so yeah, much. Especially no, and, since and, it's easy as it is to get movies on YouTube, and that's even the yeah. pure obscure ones. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, that, and why not host them? Why not, uh, you know, do something with that? I mean, you know, and especially and 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 the way they have it set up now on YouTube and now Facebook. You can monetize off of your uh, off of your channels now. Some people make a great living, not maybe hosting movies, but you know, posting their own videos. So it's it's set up there. If you can crack that code and and do it right, there's no reason why someone can't do a horror hosted show that's getting paid just by your uh, YouTube rating. It can happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you guys have a side hustle, or what is it, a monster hustle, where... Uh... <laughs> that's, that's actually our main living. 
<laughs> yeah, that, that, that's my day job. I'm a full-time re- eBay reseller. Um, I have an eBay store, and we uh, go all over looking for treasure. Sometimes people uh, yeah. bring us treasures, or they'll, they'll message us and want us to look and, and pick their garage for things. Yes, and I, I vacillate between eBay and graphic design. Um, I just, you know, it's for me, it's a way to, to balance everything out because I'm not having jobs to, 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 for toy companies to come up with cool ideas for games and toys. Uh, and I, I, I do eBay. It's kind of like, kind of like yeah. uh, keep everything going. And uh, we both find some incredible stuff. Uh, we just found some cool stuff today. Oh, and you know what? Here's the coolest thing I think I've ever found. Uh, and this has, has to do with just my love for flea markets in general just happens i also resell but i ain't selling this yet or probably ever but i i never would ever think ever i would found i i would have found that i found what i did find what well, what did that. you find i found looking through some old stuff <laughs> here in uh part of ohio uh, they had this uh, huge flea market i'm running around there and i'm looking through stuff and not really finding anything i buy this old moldy uh like a uh, a scrapbook this was two years ago this was two years at a ago. market. I bought it because there were some old kind of monster stickers in there I thought were kind of neat. Anyway, get home, let it sit around for about a week, finally cracked this thing open, and I noticed that it was from the 60s, like the mid-60s. And I'm thinking, that's pretty cool. There's Beatles stuff in there, like, you know, little cut-out magazine articles and this and that. And then I start turning the page, and I, t- I get to the center of this thing. There's the monster stickers. I turn one more page. There is a picture of Ernie Anderson who portrayed Goulardi out of, cut out of a newspaper and an autograph of him, of his, from a little piece of notebook paper that whoever had this, uh, some girl had this scrapbook. And it was lined with some lace. It was a really strange page. Because like he was so popular back then, boys and girls loved him. But, yeah, I found an authentic Goulardi autograph, and I didn't even know I had it when I bought it. I just thought I bought it for some, uh, for these, like, monster stickers. For a whole different reason, but I can't believe I found this. Thing. So yeah, so sometimes we find things for keeps. <laughs> sometimes we find things we didn't even know we were looking for. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, we, we just found some. But we just found some cool stuff today on our, our going out and looking for stuff. Mm-hmm. We did, we did, yeah, and, and we do this because we love it, and also it pays the bills. Yeah. And um, television, uh, well, we're hosting on on television or online. Um, doesn't always pay. <laughs> yeah, and um, so if you want to see uh, more detail or, or hear more detail or both, um, on our Monster Channel, on our YouTube channel, the Mummy the Monkey YouTube channel, there is a, uh, what is that, a, play, not a, play, a playlist? Oh, yeah, we have a Monster Hustle playlist on yeah. our YouTube channel. Our YouTube is the Mummy and the Monkey. We also have our characters on there. Yes. We also, we also do a podcast. Monday nights we started doing a Living the Scream behind the scenes of the Mummy and the Monkey show and our reselling. So there's like an audio version of that uh, that we every Monday we try to post a new one up. So we did it for a while, a couple years ago, and <laughs> just started doing it again a few weeks ago. But, yeah, we have video of our exploits uh, going to thrift stores, food markets, et cetera, stuff we sold, et cetera, you know, that kind of thing. We document a lot of those things. So, yeah, you can see both sides of us on, uh, on our YouTube channel. Oh, yeah. I think the funniest Monster Hustle episode I've ever seen is when Janet found uh, some Barbies from the 60s. Mm. Is that the... Uh... Oh, that might have been last year. I think I bought them. I'm trying to remember. There there were some online other websites where I found these mm-hmm. uh, doll lots. And, yeah, some of those vintage, like, Barbies and G.I. Joes. Yeah. Um, if you buy, if, if you're yeah. able to get a good deal on like a whole box of them, you can piece them out and do your research. But her and most insanely greatest buy, well, there's a couple of good ones, but the one, uh, this is, falls into the category that you didn't know what you had. You bought that uh, girl oh. from Uncle Doll. Yeah, so Mark's Toys, that's another line of collectible toys, M-A-R-X, and they were popular in the 60s and 70s. They made girls' toys, boy toys, plastic, uh, plastic figurines, little plastic dollies. Plastic uh, monsters, those little yeah, and plastic monsters, the universal ones. Yep, and there was one that I found in. Um, he kind of looked like a Barbie doll, but it was all plastic. All of her clothes and accessories were plastic. When I did some more research and cleaned her up, I uh, used dish soap and you know he was like all gross, like out of a barn or something. Uh, it found out she was the girl from Uncle, 
So there used to be a show called The Man from Uncle. I guess there was also a show The Girl from Uncle. Short lived, but yes. Very yeah, short. that yeah. was the one season spin off of it. Right. Yeah, and so they only made one thousand of these dolls, and Jeez. with if, if you have the box and all of the accessories and everything, that's like an easy thousand bucks or more. Um, she was missing some of her accessories. She was in beat up condition, but I put her up for seven hundred bucks, and she sold within minutes. And yeah. I paid a dollar for her. Yeah, and that's that. But that's just if something is rare enough, obviously it, you command the price on it. So. Yeah. So. If I ever see that again, which I probably won't. No, never again. I'd probably price it at 2000 bucks. I like, might have underpriced it a little bit. Just like the uh, Kenner alien <laughs> I found. Uh, that was that that 18-inch tall alien? Yes, the one that was banned. Yeah, well, they, they pulled or, it from or, the show. Because, yeah, it was recalled or something. Yeah, the, the 1970, it was a 78 movie, uh, Alien? 78. Um, when that came out, um, the toy was so... Oh, 79, yeah. For some reason, they thought those scary monster things would be cool yeah. for kids' toys. Yeah, well, they thought that, and it was, it, they had it, They were already made. They made 10,000 of them, I think, only. That's a, that's a small run, too, but yeah. they pulled... They pulled a bunch of them because parents were complaining that they were too scary or something. Yeah, some angry moms were complaining. But I did find one, and it was missing everything. All of them are missing, like the te- the, the push-out mouth, the lever, and some uh, a little horn on its back. Yeah. But I did find one. I paid 15 or 10, 10 or 15 bucks for it, and we flipped it for like 100 or something like that. Uh, it was almost 200 Yeah. Nice. But I wish I would have kept it because I'll, I'll never find another one. I mean, those things are just so rare. Sometimes you, you find, like, these very rare pieces where it's like, will I ever find anything that rare again? Unless you're a, an insane collector, there is a guy, I, if you Google, like, uh, there's a guy that has, like, an army of these things. He's got a, quite a few of them. Wow. He, he scours the, the the world to find them, but, yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of YouTubers that will share their toy collections, too. So those are also fun for us to look through because then we can uh, – learn more about the vintage toys and we kind of know what to look for. Yeah, it's so much fun. And the toys are fun to sell because we're, we collect some things ourselves. So uh, we get it. You know, people like to have certain things. They, they like the movies and the, all that. So, and yeah, maybe not. So, well, actually there's a, today we found a couple of cool things. I, I picked up for 25 bucks at a thrift store. Kind of knew what they had, but then they didn't. Um, they're photographs, individual, like I'd say uh, three by four photographs. Maybe they're a little smaller than that. Of um, World War II, uh, the, the pinup girls that they would paint on the side of planes and give them names, like uh, Ready Betty and things like that. These are actual photographs someone took of multiple different World War II American planes that had, uh, you know. The, the artwork on the side of the plane. Yeah, they're like sort of nice. flat. And some of them are actually topless. They're painted this way. They're really cool. There's, a, there's about... I don't know, close to maybe 12 or 13 photographs. I paid 25 bucks for this. And if you look on, on eBay, one photograph kind of similar to it, not the same ones I have, obviously. People are selling for around 30 bucks. So that's about 400 bucks in that bag, if I can sell them all. <laughs> and what's fun is while we're working on eBay, we'll look up old movies on YouTube oh, yeah. and we'll look up you know, old movies to watch or stream well, or shows well, well, tell <laughs> while we're working. That. Tell them a little about your what you found today, the candles or the uh, napkin holders. Oh, that's kind of boring, But though. it's cool, though. I found some uh, napkin rings. It's only two of them in a bag. I paid $7. They're like elephants, and um, the brand is Reed and Barton, and it's marked 1824. They didn't the really year. come out in 1824, oh. but... Um, that's they're not that Yeah, they're not that old. That's just the, the, the collection it's from, Reed and Barton's 1824 collection. But they're there yeah. vintage. And um, just one of those napkin rings. On eBay. On eBay, someone bought for 149 You have two of them. I have two of them, and I paid $7 for the, the bag for, for two of them. So, yeah. so that's, what's that's like 7 bucks turning it into 300 bucks. That's fun. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, I see there was this uh, woman once at a flea market, and she was selling some old albums of uh, her brothers. Mm. And I looked real close at him, and he's like, oh, that's the Beatles. I want $20 for it. And I looked mm. real close, and, I'm, and I was like, wait, there's a sticker around this. And I looked, yesterday, today, tomorrow, 
uh-oh. And I said to her, I said, ma'am, take this out of your stack and get it looked at. Why? She said, until you can get this x-rayed, I can't be sure, but I think that mm, she told me later it was that she had the rare Beatles album cover with the babies. The meat babies, yeah. Oh. I was going to guess was it the meat babies and the meat, yeah. That one is, yeah, that's that's, that's one you don't want to sell for 20 bucks, no. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, that's what kind of person I am. I'm like, no, I'm not going to rip her off that bad. I was going to say, I mean, that's very honest of you. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, that, 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 and yeah, if you see it, well, you know, hmm. That's a tough call. We've heard some stories uh, about people that had were were kind of put in that position uh, of what what to do. You know, what I, should you do? I think if it was something big like that, I'd give them like a chunk of it. Like if I were to sell that or something. I do have a few, not many. I I, I prefer not to. I, I have some consignment people that I deal with oh, where yeah. after after I sell the item after fees, you know, where we split it. So. But there's that, and then we just we just watch a video of a, a regular uh, YouTube reseller that we we, wa- we watch regularly, um, and she went to an estate sale, and knew that she, she found some something she thought what it was, and when she got into her car, she confirmed it. But she found two Civil War era diaries, all written in by a Union soldier. There were like three different diaries, and no, two some... diaries and one like logbook, but. Some of those sell for like five thousand. Yeah, up to five thousand for each diary. She got a box full of stuff from that place for twenty five bucks. So there you go. But yeah, yeah, someone selling Isn't an item. Your set made of uh, things that you picked up in your other business. Yes yeah, no. yeah, that's made up of a bunch of different stuff. Yeah, a good chunk <laughs> of it. Like we'll find, you know, when we make our props when we decorate the set, it's all second hand. Um, some of it's Halloween vintage. Some of it's Cleveland memorabilia. Some of it was given to us by fans. Yes, yeah, some of it was sent to us by fans. So it's a, it's a, it's a you know amalgamation of a little bit of everything, yeah. Yeah, and that's that's how we decorate the rest of the place. It's like secondhand and and all kinds of a mishmash of things. Yeah, but the set is definitely made up of a lot of different uh, yes yeah, pieces from our excursions. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's what we all hope for is that one day that someone that worked at the studio or someone that just collect, that would uh, buy uh, tapes of stuff from there, they die and their kids don't know what it is, and all of a sudden, new episodes of uh, Horror Host or whatever shows just pop up out of the blue. Yeah, I yeah, mean, we hope to find uh, weird tapes. Like, we're always on the lookout for old VHS tapes, especially you, James. Yes, yeah. I'm actively always I'm asking people when I'm, we're going out to flea markets, I dig through boxes, and if I see anything that looks like it could have been taped off a of television, local television, I pick it up uh, and uh, go through all this stuff. I found some things, um, been, found a few things uh, that were horror host related for sure. Some old Cleveland TV stuff too uh, that you know I, I can get into at some other point, but um, uh, yeah, I mean we're always looking for that. And and unfortunately, I don't. There are people out there that have things like this specific stuff that refuse to share it, and we do not understand that. But there, that's the, there's that too. There because are, we talked to some uh, people in this area where we trade tape, we try to get it archived if we if. Uh, someone in the area were to find like a tape of of a, a local television host from back in the day, digitally archived, so that isn't lost, you know, so that history is still there. And most importantly, to share it with the fans, with people that it, that it was made for in the first place. Yeah, I for mean, the fans to see. I get you own the tape; it's your physical tape yeah. you have paid for, but the stuff on there kind of belongs to everybody. So. And, and for future fans who might be learning mm-hmm. about TV history and things like that, media. Yeah, yeah, you know. Uh, Billy told that, a story yeah. like that too on one of his last years, where he found this guy with some tape of stuff that he didn't have. So he offered to copy the stuff from the guy and give him his originals and making a, a copy for himself. And the guy's like, "No," and he said, "Well, why not?" He's like, "Then I won't have the only copy." Oh boy! 
Yeah, you know what's going to happen too. This is what I, you know, uh, this is this is what's going to happen. That guy, unfortunately, someday will pass away, and they're going to dump all that in the garbage. Yeah, it'll all get thrown away if it's not archived. Because nobody, no not, one's going to live forever. Right, and, At some point, you know. And this is a, if you have the only copy. And, who I mean, right? Share the scares. Yeah, that's why we're all about sharing the uh, tapes. Getting. Yeah. They're the scares. Getting those archives. We're always on the lookout for old tapes yeah. that, that could have something like that on we, it. And, and Yeah, and we live in this day and age where that it can happen. You can archive this stuff. Will someone take a copy of it and try to sell it, make money out of it? Probably, but they're not mm-hmm. going to retire off of it. I wouldn't worry about that so much. But that's another reason why some of these guys do that. Well, what if somebody tries to make a copy of it and sell it? Well, it's called pirating. It happens. But it'll be archived forever. Well, for as long as humans can maintain the database anyway, uh, and, and, and watch this stuff, it'll be available to people in the future. Mm-hmm. Sure, sure. But yeah, I, I, that's what I like to think of. I don't need to hoard all of these, all this, all this cool stuff for myself. It doesn't make any sense. It's sad. Yeah. Remember what was the last thing that was on every episode of MSPK 3000? Share the tape. Share the tape. Keep passing the tape. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yep. Keep passing the tapes. Yep. Because that keeps the show alive. And that helped promote them too. But yeah, I mean, it, 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 I think it's very essential. If anyone out there is listening and has uh, some uh, local television, wherever you're from, tape somewhere, sitting in a box and you know it's there and you want contact someone in, a, you can look it up on Facebook. I'm sure there's a group, a fan group of, uh, of the said person or, or host or whatever. And uh, get this stuff out there for some, someone that can actually uh, digitize it and, uh, and and archive it for everyone to watch because that stuff is important. People do uh, long for that that type of nostalgia as well. Television is huge on nostalgia or for nostalgia. Yeah, or and then some of the guys that just want it so they can have copies of the work. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's true, too. Yeah, and a lot of people, these guys don't have their own stuff uh, archived or anything. Heck, I still got to download more of our episodes. I don't yeah. I don't have all of ours archived either. We're so in there the you process go. of archiving our own episodes. Yeah, it's, it's a lot of work, but... Uh, we had a fan send us, um, He someone wrote to us, uh, he had a whole uh, listing of all our episodes in the movie. That's right. That yeah. is wild. And I'm like, wow, someone actually took the time to do that. They we were, like, like flattered. They made, like, a spreadsheet <laughs> and air dates and that, that, that. I'm like, wow. Yeah, they were. it we was real extensive, and we don't even have that. Wow. So we'll have to borrow that list from him. <laughs> I love that, yeah. At least one person really likes the show. Oh, and what – and – uh well, uh, thank you guys for uh, being on, and I'd like to dedicate this show, if you don't mind, to uh, Art. And you know who he was, the guy who had his books he sold and uh, always had the Kolchak suit on. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, he did pass away. I saw, but I remember reading about that. Yeah, well, dedicate this to Art. That's cool. Mm-hmm, Yeah. Yeah, he actually got a monster kid. I ha- I like it, but it's sort of I hate it that no, when someone doesn't get any love or recognition till after they've gone beyond the rainbow. Right. Yeah. So uh, yeah, it should be while you're here. It would be nice. But you know, dedicate the show to him. That's sweet. Yeah. Thank you for having us on. It was a blast. Yeah, we had a lot of fun. Yeah. And, uh, well, tell everybody your shows. They have uh, two versions of the Mummy of the Monkey show that comes out every week, uh, one with movie and one without, in case you just want to watch the Mummy and the Monkey's antics. Kind of, sort of, yeah. We do our Facebook shows Friday nights, 10 p.m. Eastern time on our Facebook page, the Mummy and the Monkey. And then we switch over to our – we do that from uh, 10 to midnight. And then at midnight-ish, we go over to our YouTube channel, which is The Mummy and the Monkey there, too, as well. And we have a little a chat show called the, the Mummy and the Monkey's Harry Scary Hangover. The Hangover, yes. Yeah, where totally. we uh, just chat, talk, talk with the fans. Um, we'll talk monster movies or Halloween stuff or haunted houses. Yeah, we just, all sorts of different topics. Whatever jag we get on, we just kind of go. Sometimes it's our favorite snack food, whatever. We have no <laughs> idea. The audience sometimes takes us where we're going. And some but of the, the first funnier show, think, shows, and you know that the Hangout is going to be a good one if you go to it, 
and you can tell that Janet had had not much sleep that day. <laughs> Which yeah, that, that bobble like, oh Lord, I'm about to fall asleep here, but I love my friends <laughs> too much. Yeah, yeah, you know, the night owl. I'm more of an early bird. But, but no, but she, it's not fair because I. <laughs> so I get tired towards the end of the night. It's not fair because I can and have taken naps on set because you can't see my eyes. I just sit there. Yeah, that's true. You have, you've got the sunglasses. People that's can't right. see your eyes. Sometimes I'll nod out. You can't tell. Yeah, he'll have me do all the talking, so and then for like years. maybe five minutes, he's dozing off. So maybe you should wear sunglasses. Maybe. We should just sleep one second. <laughs> yeah, mummy glasses. <laughs> oh, boy. And everybody yeah, tune in keep, a lot of fun. Uh, yeah, keep sharing the content with everybody. Yes, please. Uh, and if you do yeah. have any rare TV or rare show, either keep sharing the tapes or uh, upload it on YouTube. You may not make yeah. any money off of it, but histor- we need this stuff for historical purposes. You might because not make money, but you might. someone reaches the end of career and they just, want a, they just want a full set of their stuff, just to have a full set of their stuff. Mm-hmm. Right, you you might not make any money, but you might make someone's day. How about that? Yeah. Well, look at Mike Varney and Something Weird Video. They started out as a bootlegger until uh, uh, Dave Friedman needed copies of his stuff, and then, boom, within a week, he was legal. Right. Yeah, I mean, you never know. But, uh... Yeah. And good night, everybody, and thank you guys for being on. And that's 100 at 589 on 590. Ten more to go for 600. Yes, I've been doing that this long. (laughs) That's awesome. Good luck. Congratulations on that. We'll listen to that 600 show for sure. Yeah. Good night. Good fright. See you later, alligators. (laughs) Ha, ha, ha.